from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition of Washington Watch, China was in the spotlight on Capitol Hill this week as several House committees focused on the communist regime, including the House Select Committee on the Strategic Competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. They held their first meeting. Let's begin by, as a committee and as a nation, making one thing clear to everyone around the world. The Chinese Communist Party is a threat to the United States. It is the threat of our lifetime. That was Virginia Congressman Rob Whitman, who also, by the way, received uh, his FRC Faith, Family, and Freedom recognition yesterday. We'll talk with New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith, who is the chairman of the Congressional Executive Committee on China. And as I mentioned yesterday, the House Republicans introduced their parental Bill of Rights. It's really about two things. It's about transparency and accountability. And it's, it's not um, an attack on teachers. Any teacher will tell you that when parents are involved, students succeed. And we want to make sure that parents have a seat at that table. That was Louisiana Congresswoman Julia Letlow, who is the author of the bill. So what will the measure actually do? Well, we're going to break it down right here on Washington Watch with FRC's Meg Kilgannon a little bit later. We'll also get an update on the World Health Organization's meeting in Geneva, Switzerland that has been going on this week. What is the status of their global power grab? Jim Roguski, a member of the Law and Activism Committee at the World Council for Health, is back with us today. And should Congress, here's a question for you, should Congress investigate DirecTV's cancellation of conservative Newsmax. They knocked them off their platform, off cable. I think they should. And I'm going to tell you why a little bit later when former Congressman Jody Heiss joins me here in studio. Jody was a member of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, now a part of the FRC team. That committee, by the way, is one that I think should look into the matter. Now this, this, listen up, this was intriguing. Coming from the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, earlier this week. We are bringing our best fight in the ring. We would not have homeless in this city. We would not have a crisis of domestic violence. We would not have children because when we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. Wow. Um, That was at a prayer breakfast in New York City. Let me just ask you this. Will those who have been chasing God in prayer from the public square rethink their policies, which have led to this moral and spiritual deficit in our cities and in our nation? We're going to talk about that. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of helpful resources right there at the website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it's at T. Perkins, and I'm on Facebook. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 30, verses 22 through 24. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Now, that's a promise of God's grace and mercy, but it comes before a backdrop of judgment. Look at verse 23. Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intentions of his mind in the latter days. You will understand this. You see, God's grace is seen in light of his judgment. His mercy comes as a result of his truth. Today, there's a tendency among some to emphasize just the love of God, but we cannot fully understand his love and mercy 
without first understanding that he is a God of justice and wrath. Experience his grace, and you'll be saved from his wrath. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. China has been getting a lot of extra attention in recent weeks, and this week was no exception. Several congressional committees held hearings on China, including the Select Committee on the Strategic Competition between the U.S. and the CCP. They held their inaugural hearing Tuesday night in prime time. The focus was on the Chinese Communist Party's threat to America, something that, frankly, both Republicans and Democrats agree on. But how they address it, well, not so much agreement there. Now, the House Foreign Affairs Committee also held a hearing on combating the generational challenge of CCP aggression. Is momentum building? here in Washington to address what many, what many have and are now coming to recognize as America's greatest external threat. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Chris Smith, who is on the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. He's also the co-chairman of the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission. And as I mentioned earlier, he is the chairman of the Congressional Executive Commission on China. He represents the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey. Congressman Smith, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, uh, let me congratulate you on being a recipient of FRC's True Blue Award, which honors members of Congress for defending faith, family, and freedom. And you have been doing that for many, many years. Uh, Tony, thank you so very much uh, for the award and for my colleagues that you have also lifted up and, and encouraged with, with the award. And thank you for your leadership, which is extraordinary. Well, thank you, Chris. And it really is. You are one of the two most senior members in the House of Representatives. You've been here since 1981. And, and I want to ask you this question because this, I think sometimes institutional history is important. Has the level that the level of attention that China is getting these days, has this increased? Are we now seeing people come to a realization that China is a problem? I think at long last, that realization has come to the fore. Under Xi Jinping, the dictator, uh, he has demonstrated monstrous policies, a genocide against the Muslims, uh, the crushing of the underground Christian church uh, and all other churches. And, um, and what he has done on virtually every single human rights category from his pervasive use of torture, uh, which is, is if you're arrested and you're a political or religious prisoner, you will be tortured until you sign a confession and give up other people uh, who might be co-religionists. It's, it's that bad. And, of course, what he did in Hong Kong when he took over Hong Kong, despite solemn promises uh, and treaty obligations not to do what they've done, that is to eviscerate human rights in Hong Kong. And now he has his eye on Taiwan. So there's uh, – I mean, who – there's no other place – on the face of the earth where there's a massive genocide taking place uh, in a country that's not at war. It's at war with its own people, but it's not at war in terms of other nations. So it's really a serious, serious problem. And I think people realize that his military, which is bristling with capability, courtesy of the United States taxpayer and our big woke corporations that have conveyed that capability to them uh, in, in all kinds of areas. I could go into it if you'd like. But all these dual-use items that they've gotten for years under the false sense that if you trade more with China, they will matriculate from a gross dictatorship to a democracy. 
that hasn't happened in history. It's not happening now. And we're seeing other human rights abuses uh, finally getting exposed, uh, like the whole issue of organ harvesting that is coercive. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that uh, coming up because you had a bill that uh, made its way through uh, this week in the House. I want to go back to something for a moment because you've been sounding the alarm on China for a long time. You know, the uh, long before balloons were floating across the country and getting people's attention of uh, their intentions to spy on us. But many of your colleagues, as you said, have come to a realization that China is a threat. In fact, uh, during the select committee's hearing this week, a former U.S. national security advisor, H.R. Uh, McMaster, said China poses a greater threat to American interest than did the Soviet Union. And I think we both agree with that. But I, I want to ask you, as the awareness is growing of the threat of China, are you seeing China intensify their human rights abuses and their reach beyond their own borders to take their totalitarian tactics abroad? Uh, yes, on all of that. Uh, you know, Bill Clinton delinked human rights from trade on May 26, 1994. And that is when we lost China. All of these corporate types and, of course, people who kowtow to the Chinese dictatorship, especially in Congress and especially uh, Bill Clinton, uh, were doing everything they could to appease one dictatorship leader after another in China. Uh, and when we finally got to who we had Hu Jintao and all these others, I'm, I'll never forget President Obama, uh, when Hu Jintao uh, was at the White House, they had a press conference. Great question came from the press about human rights abuse. And he said, well, they have a different culture and a different uh, type of government. Yeah, they have a dictatorship. And how dare you insult the culture of the Chinese people uh, as if they don't understand fundamental human rights. Look at what Tiananmen Square was all about as all those young people rallied and then so many were killed uh, in order to try to procure uh, basic fundamental human rights for themselves. So it's getting worse every single day. That's a very important point to make, just like what we've seen unfolding in recent months in Iran is that it is the government, it is the Communist Party of China that's the problem, not the Chinese people. The Chinese people are yearning to be free. Uh, They're trying to throw off this repressive regime, but the totalitarian tactics are so repressive, uh, it is quite difficult. Now, another comment that uh, H.R. McMaster's said during the uh, committee hearing was that he he said a preemptive attack on American soil was possible in the event of U.S.-China conflict over Taiwan. I can't think of anyone who is a better expert on China in Congress than you. Do you think that's possible, given what you know about the CCP? I think it's possible. I think the the chaos that is occurring in China today uh, and what is Xi Jinping, how is he responding? And some of it, nobody ever talks about this, is the horrible consequences of the, of the one child per couple policy, which has led to a huge uh, disparity between males and females. There's about 60 million plus missing girls, some of whom would be women of various ages, uh, because of the one-child-per-couple forced abortion policy. I had hearings throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000 and and beyond on what that would do in terms of a militaristic point of view. Not only does it destroy babies and their mothers, uh, but it would also lead uh, to Xi Jinping or whoever the dictator might be at the time uh, to try to project outward and stoke the fires of nationalism. And that's exactly what he is doing. He has threatened, obviously, he has threatened Japan repeatedly. He has threatened us. And he's got nuclear capability, weapons that, again, they either stole from us 
uh, or the technology for missiles and the like that they that we sold them. And that started under the Clinton administration. You know, remember that famous saying by Lenin, uh, we'll hang the West uh, and they'll sell us the rope. Wrong country. Wasn't the Soviet Union. It's China. We have sold them the rope that they can put around our neck and around our allies' neck uh, and just and, – and, and again, the concern for human life by Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party is non-existent. It's all, all throwaway. They couldn't care less about their own people and even more so couldn't care less about us. That's why fentanyl is flooding our markets right now because that's one way of getting back at the Americans uh, and bringing it up through the, through the Mexican cartels. It's all coming from China originally. And uh, and it's killing, what, 100,000 odd people right. each and every year. Nothing from the Biden administration of Murad to try to stop that. I, I would only correct one thing you said, Chris, and that is not only have we sold them the rope that they're using, but we have actually given them the money to buy the rope that we're selling. Absolutely. Them. Uh, it is it's absolutely insane how we are treating China when they have made very clear what their intentions are. Now, we're up against up against a break, but when we come back, uh, you were in a hearing in uh, your committee on uh, the Foreign Affairs Committee combating the generational challenge of the CCP aggression. I'm going to talk about that and also your bill dealing with organ harvesting. That's something I dealt with at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. That is big business in China. It's hard to believe but it's happening. We're going to talk about it next. Chris, thanks so much for being with us today. Stick around. We'll be back after the break. Folks, thank you for joining us. Again, check out the website. Lots of resources there for you. But you won't want to miss, as we continue this conversation with uh, Chris Smith, unbelievable what China is doing. He's addressing it. This Congress might do it as well. Stick around. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. If you're just tuning in now, I'm continuing my conversation from the last segment with Congressman Chris Smith, the co-chair of the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission and the chairman of the Congressional Executive Commission on China. He also serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and represents the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey. Congressman Smith, thanks so much for uh, staying with us over the break. Now, as we were going out, I said you were addressing the issue of organ harvesting by the CCP, and Congress may as well. The reason I said it that way is that unlike many measures simply having Republican support, your bill addressing this issue has bipartisan support. Yeah, we worked very hard to try to achieve that. Uh, Congressman Bill Keating is the principal Democrat co-sponsor. Uh, Kathy Manning is on it as well. French Hill, of course, on the Republican side. Uh, and the chairman of the full committee, uh, Michael McCall, is also uh, an original co-sponsor. Um, I introduced this bill last Congress. It went nowhere. I tried very hard to get it marked up. Uh, but thankfully, this year, uh, it's on a fast track. And I think that's in part because a growing understanding, as you indicated in the earlier segment, uh, of what is happening and people's understanding of the Chinese dictatorship under the Communist Party there. Uh, and, of course, our leadership, uh, Kevin McCarthy, right on down, have made uh, con- combating China's malign influence and its threat, and it is an existential threat, uh, a very serious priority uh, for this Congress. So let's talk about uh, this organ harvesting. I know the title sure. The, the title is Stop Forced Organ Harvesting Act of 2023. But two questions for you. What is that? Just so our listeners and viewers are very clear on what we're talking about here and how big of a problem is it? Uh, what it is by definition, it's the coercive uh, taking of a person's inner organs, uh, including liver, heart, lung, whatever it might be. Uh, against their will and almost always resulting in the death uh, of that person. In the Chinese Communist parties uh, uh, in China that they run, uh, there's about 100,000, low-end estimate is 60,000 to 100,000 victims every year uh, who are killed to get their vital organs. Uh, It's a huge moneymaker for the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, It is also uh, for any high official or any official really uh, in the party that is in need of a transplant. Uh, they go to the oppressed peoples of China, including the Falun Gong, uh, the Uyghurs, that would be the Muslims, uh, Christians, and others. Uh, they round them up 
bring them in. The secret police use, brings them into – they do it with prisoners that are already incarcerated as well for political and religious reasons. Uh, and then they kill them. Uh, I had one doctor in my, uh, my hearing uh, several months ago who actually did one of those. And he explained that the man wasn't even dead. Uh, he was in shock and began moving. Uh, he continued the operation, the macabre operation of stealing his organs. Uh, and then we have, you know, uh, Nathan Gutman and so many others who have provided expert insight into uh, how pervasive it is. Our bill applies not just to China, but to any other country in the world. After a major report required by the bill, or hopefully is soon to be law, uh, would look at other places as well, because it is going on in India. It's going on in places like uh, Iran, as you know from your work as head of the Religious Freedom uh, Commission. Uh, but the, by far the most egregious violator is and continues to be, again, upwards of 100,000 victims every single year. And one thing that is underappreciated as well is that there's a hospital called the 301 Hospital in Beijing, and there are other hospitals like it, where any of the, of the Chinese Communist Party leadership in need of a transplant will go, and they'll bring in a victim and steal their organs to keep that person alive and to make the transplant. Uh, they're very good at doing it, but they kill every single victim uh, while they're doing it. Uh, so it's, it's a barbaric practice. It's reminiscent of the medicine practiced by the Nazis. And Xi Jinping is directly responsible for making this even worse during his reign of terror, uh, the dictator of China. So our bill would also ensure uh, that any country, but China, again, the worst example, uh, is sanctioned, that the people who are involved with this supply chain are barred entry into the United States, made inadmissible, can't get a visa. And also, they could do no business here whatsoever. Uh, no matter what they want to buy or sell, can't do it here. And, and um, this is yes. a this is a big industry. I mean, this is a, a billion dollar industry where people are traveling there for tourism to get organs. Uh, you talked about the Uyghurs; they're attracting people from Muslim countries because of the dietary restrictions of the Uyghurs. I mean, this is and this is not speculation. Uh, we, we've no, it's got not. independent agencies that have validated these claims. Exactly right. And the reason why we wanted the State Department to do a massive study uh, is to put their imprimatur on the facts, and the facts are there. Uh, and hopefully through our intel community, they can even ferret out even more as to what's going on. Uh, it's hiding in plain sight, uh, but it's a it's a egregious practice that almost nobody really knows much about. Right. Uh, I don't see the media talking about it. You do. No. Yeah. Uh, but I don't see others talking no, about I, it. I, 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 in, in four years, I never did a single interview on this with the uh, the mainstream media on, on right. any of the – in fact, very few with the mainstream me media on any of the repressive tactics of China, other countries when it came to religious freedom and human rights exactly. like this. Uh, we're almost out of time, Chris, but yes. the uh, this this issue, is this something that you think – uh, you can get support for in the Senate to get it through and yes. on to President Biden? I, I, I do. And uh, I think there will be, you know, we will pass it in the House. Uh, and I do believe, you know, Senator Tom Cotton, who is a great friend and a true, true champion for human rights. Uh, he's the sponsor on the Senate side. Uh, and so we're, we're working in tandem to get this to the president's desk. We did reach out to the State Department uh, and there were individual State Department personnel who were helpful. Uh, 
and we didn't have the stop sign like we so often get when it comes to human rights issues. So uh, hopefully that means when it gets to the president, he will sign it. If he yeah. doesn't sign it, I will predict we will override that veto. Wow. Wow. Well, and also we're at a flap out of time, but I, I do want to make a point you said earlier about American corporations. Knowing what we know about the Communist Party in China, no legitimate business, no American company should be taking advantage of cheap labor because oftentimes those very individuals who are being used for cheap labor, they're also some of those that uh, are being used for the organ transplants. They're, they're stealing Absolutely. their organs. It, this is horrific. Chris, always great to see you. Thank you for your Tony, leadership. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You too. Great being on. Thank you, Tony. All right, coming up next, the Republicans have introduced their Parental Bill of Rights, and we're going to break it down for you next as Meg Kilgannon joins me in studio. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. And this is Washington Watch, and it's great to have you with us on this Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, here's a news flash for you. Children have a right to their parents, both a mother and a father. And, and I know this is shocking to some on the left, parents have the right and responsibility to raise their children. But increasingly, the left has been trying to drive a wedge between parents and their children. And they've been increasingly using the education system to do that, teaching our children that right is wrong and wrong is right. But then something happened. We call it COVID. You know, it's funny. They used that COVID to suppress and to, cr to clamp down, but it revealed some things. COVID 
it kind of pulled back the curtain on education as parents began seeing what their kids were doing. And you know what? They're still pushing back now that they know what's happening. So now the left wants to bring in the uh, the blind, so to speak. They want to cover, they want to shut it down again so parents can't see what is happening. Well, a new bill has been introduced in Congress that seeks to keep schools transparent and accountable. Joining me now to uh, talk about this is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at FRC. Meg, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Tony. Okay. So let's talk about this bill. Julia Letlow from Louisiana introduced it. This is something that is the result of a massive amount of parental pushback and parents asking for this. What does it do? It uh, There are five areas that they're seeking to ensure that parents have sort of a baseline of rights across all of the United States. Education is a state and local issue, obviously. It's mostly governed in localities. But there are certain baselines that the House Republicans want to see that are insured. So, you know, that parents have a right to know what their children are being taught. So they want um, state education agencies to post any curricula that your child is going to see, that you'd be able to review that if you wanted to. I think that's perfectly reasonable in the yeah. computer age. Why not, right? Well, and you're also paying for it. By you the way. are paying for it. Um, and then they, that parents have a right to be heard. We've had all this controversy with the... Yeah. Uh, Domestic school, terrorists. D- yes. And so... They're just underscoring the fact that um, parents have a right to be heard. They have a right to meet with their children's teachers a couple of times a year. Just basic things that, you know, when we were in school, you didn't really have to (laughs) guarantee by federal statute. No, actually, back then when I was a kid, I know that's been many, many moons ago, but the the teachers were calling the parents. Right. Saying, hey, come on, I have a conversation with you. And the teachers were parents, yeah. right? They were mostly, mostly it was moms, right? It was yeah. a great way to have a, a second income and, and be home when your kids were home, yeah, right? And so, the, you know, that was the, the second mom on duty at school there. But that's not the situation we find ourselves in today. So then the third point is um, the issue of schools and budgeting. And in the work that we've done at FRC on our uh, school board boot camps, it has been amazing to me to hear from school board members who – the school board members have a hard time seeing the budget from the staff that runs the school system sometimes. And there have even been cases where lawsuits have been filed, a school board to member the, against a school district to, to get, get the, the budget bu- numbers. Wow. <laughs> so wow. this one might seem like, you know, of course you can. No, in fact, a lot of times you can't, even if you're the elected representative. So we're glad to see that one. And then... One of the really interesting parts of this is their protections on privacies. They're updating the FERPA and the PPRA, but there are so many surveys that our kids are taking now because of social-emotional yeah. learning right. uh, that they want that data protected. And then any parent... That's with been a, an issue for a while. It has Pre- been. Even pre-COVID. Yes, absolutely. And any parent who has a child with an online textbook or a school-issued computer device knows that at the beginning of the school year... You're, you're punching yes on a lot of user agreements, and you don't know what they really say mm-hmm. because you, your child needs them for school. And so now they want to try to, to protect that data from being shared without parental consent, which I think it is all really seems, good. All five areas seem very reasonable. Unlikely that it will get through the Senate. It's certainly going to pass the House. Um, doubt that it gets through the Senate. If it did, this runs contradictory to the, the philosophy right. of the Biden administration. But 
Does this not provide a good model for what states can do? It absolutely does. And and it's a great it's just a, it's a great starting point. It's a federal piece of legislation, so a state or a locality can do even more to protect parental rights because they are actually overseeing the schools. Yeah. It, you know, I, I scratch my head I, as to how in the world we got to this point where we have to have legislation to say parents have rights to see what their children are being taught. I mean, step back for just a moment dispassionately and think about that. That's incredible that that's where we are in this country, that we have to have congressional action so parents know what's going on in the classroom. Well, you know, we there was a time when we had a baseline of shared values in our country, and there were certain things that everybody agreed on. Yeah. And one of those was that there is a God and that, you know... And we're not we're, him. We're not him, right? <laughs> um, and those values are simply not shared any longer. But it's not a matter, there's no neutrality. This idea that there can be a neutral position in between the two, it doesn't exist because they're imposing that ideology upon our children. Absolutely. That this is also the case that this is one of those issues that um, one side sort of let the other side have. Yeah. You know, we just sort of ceded this territory. Well, we're... Not any longer. We're fighting back. Legislation, school board boot camps, FRC action. FRCaction.org slash schools. All right. All right, Meg, we're out of time. Always great to talk with you. Same. Keep up the good work. Great to see you. Thanks. All right. Next up here on Washington Watch, Jim Roguski joins me to talk about the funny business going on at the World Health Organization in Geneva. By the way, their doors have been closed this past two days. They don't want anybody to know what they're doing. But we're going to talk about it because it's a massive global power grab. That's next, so don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Since Monday, the World Health Organization's intergovernmental negotiating body, the IND, has been meeting to discuss a draft agreement that claims it will strengthen pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Yeah, I believe that one. By tomorrow's conclusion of the five-day meeting, the INB is expected to confirm whether the zero draft will be the basis of negotiations for a pandemic accord. But for the past two days, the WHO has kept the public in the dark, having stopped streaming the meeting Tuesday afternoon and not planning to resume until tomorrow. They did the same last week when a WHO working group was negotiating proposed amendments to the international health regulations, which my next guest says should draw greater concern and scrutiny. Joining me now to talk about this is Jim Roguski, a member of the Law and Activism Committee at the World Council for Health, who has been tracking this closely and sounding the alarm over the entire past year. Jim, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you very much for having me, and thank you for presenting that, you know, very accurate information. There are two separate things going on, and, uh, you know, I appreciate the clarity because most of the media is conflating the two issues, bringing them together, and then getting fact-checked because everything's been cross-pollinated. Right, right. Well, we've been fact-checked, and we've been we've been actually taken down. You're we, we've done a couple of uh, pieces on this, and uh, we're being attacked by the so-called fact-checkers who wouldn't know a fact if it ran across them. <laughs> and and so the secrecy aspect of it is obviously the most concerning, although we do have, you know, the rough working drafts that they're talking about. With the treaty, they call it the zero draft. And what you said is, you know, they may very well have decided to begin negotiations on that. And then it's really going to be secret. They're, they appear to pretty much be in agreement that, you know, they've been collecting proposals. But once they actually get into negotiations, I imagine they're going to shut the doors and keep them closed. Last week, uh, they haven't really come out with a formal statement saying that they're done collecting proposed amendments. They already have 307 proposed amendments. 
and whether or not they shut everything down and go into private negotiations, they have meetings scheduled. The working group, International Health Regulations, has a meeting scheduled April 17th to the 20th, I believe. And then the treaty or the INB negotiations uh, have something, I believe, in, in March and in April. And so, you know, the, the discussions continue, but where's the public comment? Right. Where's the opportunity for us to say what we think? Uh, our, our opinions don't, don't matter, obviously. Um, right. The other day when you were on, you, you said that the, the discussion about the treaty or the accord, uh, it, which is getting most of the media's attention, is a decoy. And you just talked about the amendments. Will those amendments in the changing of the current protocols, will that essentially accomplish everything that's being put forth in this accord? Well, see, that's the whole thing. People cross-pollinate, you know, this and that. And so the treaty is a real thing. It's very, very problematic. But it gives lip service to sovereignty and equity and inclusivity and health and all that. If you read the first 12 pages of the zero draft of the treaty, you'd come, you'd come away thinking, well, this doesn't sound so bad. The rest of it is problematic. But what is happening is people are reading the details of the proposed amendments, attributing it to the treaty, and people are just simply not paying attention to the proposed amendments. And the manner in which the proposed amendments are adopted is of great concern because last year they adopted amendments to the regulations and all they did, you know, the concept is silence is consent. They put forth the documents before the assembly. They said, does anybody object? They waited about 10 seconds. Nobody objected. It has been adopted. Now they have still not come into force and nobody has raised an issue about, well, the president didn't sign it and the Senate didn't discuss it. There are amendments sitting just about ready to come into force later this year. And nobody talked about that because the process by which amendments are adopted is that simple. And so they've identified, meaning the WHO and all of the delegates have identified just how easy it is to change the amendments. And that's why there's 307 amendments on the table right now, you know, quietly, secretly, you know, behind closed doors right. being negotiated. And we're not allowed to have anything to say about it. So to which is more egregious, the amendments that are being proposed to the regulatory structure that's in place or this accord? Or are they both just as bad, equally bad? Well, they're different. And so what is in the amendments that is of great concern are proposals from the European Union for a global digital health certificate. There are other nations who propose similar and related amendments, but the bulk of it is coming from the EU. The EU is very much into tracking and tracing and, you know, digital uh, gulag, if you will. Um, none of that is in the treaty. So if people are talking about that, but attributing it to the treaty, that's a decoy. That's a confusion. And all they would have to do is break that out in May when they meet and say, does anybody object to this digital global health certificate, vaccine, passport, digital ID, whatever you want to call it. And if no one objects, boom, it's international law has been changed. So the remedy for I'm going to talk specifically about the United States, because we've had members of Congress on 
uh, yesterday. Uh, Senator Johnson of Wisconsin was on, and he has a measure that would treat this accord as a treaty requiring a supermajority approval of the Senate. doesn't address the issue of the amendments that you've raised. Other members I've talked to, in fact, I asked him about this as well, are proposing, uh, in fact, talked to some members last night, simply zeroing out funding to the WHO here from the United States, essentially pulling us out of it. Um, well, essentially not. That would not be the case. Most people are shocked when they learn that the largest funder over the past two years to the WHO was actually Germany. And the WHO's budget is approximately $4 billion a year. Our obligated payments are only $109 million per year. Now, we pay more, but the, the Biden administration actually put $850 million into a pandemic fund, that part of which goes to the WHO. So you have to be careful about how you say you're going to pull the strings out from the WHO by reducing funding, because what they're setting up are all of these funds that, you know, essentially launder money through various techniques. The um, World Bank's pandemic fund um, is is funding a lot of things. You know, very soon they're just about beginning to implement it. It isn't about that. They have many ways to get money. Um, Representative. Andy Biggs proposed H.R. 79, which would defund the WHO, repeal the legislation that got us in, and have us withdraw from the WHO. Anybody can go to exitthewho.com. We've been gaining support in in support of Representative Biggs' legislation. I would call upon Senator Ron Johnson and others to put forth companion legislation. Why would we want to be negotiating with these people? We yeah. need to leave. Yeah, uh, agreed. All right, that's uh, that's something we're going to be promoting. I'm going to talk to Andy Biggs, get him on the program. We'll, uh, we'll probably uh, check back with you next week, Jim, when uh, they have come out of their uh, cave from their meeting, and we know exactly what the WHO did. Uh, thanks well, so much for helping explain this and keeping your eye on the ball. We might, uh, very much appreciate it. We'll be lucky if they say anything, and if they do, I'll certainly let you know. Thank you very much. We will be in touch. Jim Roguski, um, I tell you, this is – and he's absolutely right about the funding because I've tracked this through the State Department and other things. They have these other funds that they stick money into, and you think you defunded something, but they've got this, uh, this money squirreled away elsewhere that they pull from, and they keep the thing running. So he is absolutely uh, right on that front. All right, I want to I want to switch gears here for a, a moment. It, it's been more than a month now since Directv abruptly removed conservative news channel Newsmax from its platform after pressure from Democrat members of Congress, and we here at the Family Research Council have been rallying our viewers, listeners, and supporters to counter this move to censor conservative viewpoints through a petition campaign. If you haven't added your name, you need to do it right now because I'm going to be delivering. We're going to be transmitting these uh, petitions like even tonight, you can do so by texting Newsmax, Newsmax to 67742, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com and follow that over, uh, follow the link over. Well, our uh, DirecTV may be catching wind of our, uh, DirecTV may be catching wind of our efforts and others, and so uh, this is good, but we need to keep the pressure on. Here to talk with me about this, Jody Heiss, a former member of Congress who serves as senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council. Uh, Jody, thanks so much for joining me. Tony, always great to be with you. Thanks. And I should add that uh, the Friday host of Washington Watch, 
So we might get a preview of what you're going to be talking about tomorrow. But I, I want to go to this issue of we've, we were talking about earlier about the congressional hearings. We had the, all these on China. We've got the Oversight Committee. We've got the Weaponization of Government Committee. First time this uh, committee that's looking at how government is working against the people. Well, you go back uh, two years ago when Democrats in control of Congress after January the 6th, using that as a platform, called upon, wrote a letter to John uh, Stanky, CEO of AT&T, calling on him to basically deplatform, cancel, remove, however you want to describe it, uh, OAN, Newsmax, and Fox from their platforms. And two of the three are now gone. Two of the three are gone. Tony, this ought to literally send a chill down the spine of every freedom-loving American. I mean, we are watching, unfortunately, a a left-leaning Democratic Party using the government as a weapon to go against political conservatives, their political opponents. And, you know, we've seen this from... Everything from raids, FBI aides raiding the homes of of pro-life individuals to banks uh, not doing business with conservative organizations, going after uh, parents for standing up for uh, their rights at school board. We've seen this cancel culture over and over and over, but this is stepping it up a level where literally the attempt is to censor and silence a conservative voice even on the airwaves and This is is chilling. That's what the left is. The left does not want to have a debate. They can't defend their position, so they want to silence their opposition. But here's the problem. Well, one of the problems. The First Amendment applies to the government. Okay, the government can't silence. Private entities can kick people off if they want to. But just as we've seen with the Twitter files, Twitter was not acting on their own. They were being enticed, encouraged, and directed by the federal government. Well, I would argue when you look at this letter, to me, this is Exhibit A, that based upon the position of these members of Congress who had oversight because they were on committees that have oversight of communications, they called upon AT&T and DirecTV to remove these entities. They're now gone. That would suggest to me that this was a part of it. That's the reason they're gone. Yeah, and listen, that is an extremely intimidating letter. Yeah. It is threatening. It is, uh, it can, could no way that be received to, from AT&T or whomever. It was sent to a host of, uh, of others. But there is no way to read that letter without uh, being fearful. Right. That if we do not take action, the force of government is going to come after us. And, yeah, I believe... Uh, oversight committee needs to go after this. There needs to be investigations. This needs to be discovered as to the reason why AT&T uh, deplatformed OAN and Newsmax. And they, in, in this letter, which is a two-page letter, they say that uh, experts have noted that the right-wing media uh, ecosystem is much more susceptible to disinformation, lies, and half-truths. It goes into... COVID. Says who? Well, I know, exactly. <laughs> who are these and they actually in there, it's footnote. It has like about 20 pages of footnotes. But most of the footnotes are of liberal organizations, of often of often funded by George Soros. So they use that as justification to take away the rights of those they oppose. And by the way, we were talking about this before we went on the air. The disinformation they were talking about with COVID, that mask, you know, when 
folks like us were saying masks don't work. We need to be sus- suspect of the, uh, the vaccinations, uh, the shutdowns, uh, that those were going to have bad outcomes. That was called disinformation. What does the facts tell us now? Yeah, so maybe perhaps we should uh, deplatform CNN and MSNBC or whoever else you put that. Which, that was which spreads spreading disinformation the, spreading every day. disinformation every single day. And, yeah, I mean, that's the – listen, the only people that they consider experts – are people who embrace right, agree their? With them. Uh, that's right. Embrace so their what, ideology. So, what committees would have jurisdiction over it? I would think oversight absolutely would have over, would have jurisdiction over this, and I, I'm, I'm very confident that uh, Chairman uh, Comer is on this. I, okay. I think we're going to see oversight go after this, uh, well, and it may have it may bleed over into some other uh, committees, okay. but well, certainly we're, oversight. We're going to beat the drum for this because this has this needs to be addressed or Absolutely. else it will continue to grow like a cancer. Very quickly, got 30 seconds. Uh, what can people expect to hear on Washington Watch tomorrow? Hey, listen, we uh, we're looking forward to a great show. I'll just give you a little bit. I'm really excited just before coming in here. We heard from a, a group that actually refers to themselves as Mama Bears. And uh, they have been going after the the school districts and libraries for pushing all sorts of absolutely wrong uh, sexually explicit material on our children. Uh, that's one piece of the, uh, that we're going to cover tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. All There's right. been some great victories on yes. that issue because all of right. Mama well, Bear. It sounds like a roaring good show. <laughs> it will be. All right, Jody Heiss, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, and thank you for being with us as well. Remember, If you want to sign this petition, very quickly text Newsmax to 67742. That's 67742, or go to TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 